Hello, and welcome to a special Behind the Fourth Wall in our third installment of the Spider-Man series. Today, we'll actually be taking a look at the MCU's soon-to-be trilogy starring Tom Holland as we prepare for the highly anticipated premiere of Spider-Man No Way Home coming only to theaters December 17th. like that it's a very special episode on a special episode of yeah i you know i realized halfway through as i said on a very special episode it sounded like those psa episodes from the 90s you know like yeah the, like so a family matters where yeah the neighbor was like a pedophile was that's that not what this episode's matters? about <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the it, to it could be i don't know Stay tuned. You're you're in for a ride. Hey, you downloaded this episode, so here yeah. we go. This is your disclaimer. You still have time to get out now. Yeah. Are so, you excited, Ivan? Though I mean, we're a week away when this is launching. Oh my god, I'm way too excited for this movie. That I feel like <laughs> I've been trying to like, you know, it's like when you eat something super spicy and then you're trying to drink enough milk to like simmer it down a bit. That's that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Hmm. So Tom Holland is like cayenne tom holland's um you know like red habanero super peppers or something Ooh, and love like it. i've been tempering my expectations with uh japanese spider-man um <laughs> he's been my go-to guy for, for the last week have you have you ever are you a man of culture Emmett? have you have you watched a few episodes of uh, japanese spider-man no i can't say that's come across my desk well, it should. It, sh- it should make its way there. Um, you know, I'm, just, I- I'm living in the words of our mortal leader, Kevin Feige, uh, to just, you know, tamper my expectations. In honor of Kevin Feige, I will be wearing a baseball cap, Marvel themed, <laughs> of course, to the, the premiere of Spider-Man No Way Home. You're going to cosplay as Kevin? Yes, definitely to honor Kevin. Not anything to do with my thinning hairline at all. Mm, you should yeah. just shave it off. Go full Ned. I, you know what? Yeah, I might. I might just do that. Oh wait, no, Ned. He wears a wig, doesn't he? He's bald in real life. Does he? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, spoilers. Uh- <laughs> That's not a spoiler. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did not the know. Spoiler that. would be if I told you that I got an early viewing of this movie and that Mephisto's in it. What? No, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> True or not true, you feel this movie is spoiled now. Not true, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've, you know, I, I feel like we've talked about this movie for so long that uh, I either yeah. know the entire plot of this movie <laughs> or I'm going to be severely disappointed because I think I know the plot of this movie and it turns out I don't. We've talked about this. If we did a word cloud of our uh, podcast, it would be Mephisto, Spider-Man, and... Um, and, and Last Jedi. Oh, we, we love Last Jedi in this in this. We, we love it. <laughs> it's amazing. No, we talk about this on the news segment every time. Um, we've been building up a whole 
series of Spider-Man episodes for this specifically. So I can't wait. I want to get into this. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about MCU Spider-Man. I feel like, uh, you know, we have did a bit of a buildup. I mean, you know, for anybody downloading these episodes at, at this time, <laughs> you've noticed our key art has changed. So mm-hmm. clearly we've been building up to this. Um, I'm really excited. I feel like this feels like uh, maybe the end of an era. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There's three more time. after this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what I mean is like, I don't know. They, they got to retire certain things of this uh, universe. They, they keep calling this like the end game of of the Spider-Man franchise, and for me, I guess that symbolizes that certain things will kind of die, shift gears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. No, I think I think it it can be a good send off for you know the the guys that launched the series, uh, not just the. Spider-Man, but the villains as well that are so iconic that we've talked about in the past uh, episodes of the series, it, it it could be it could serve as a really good uh, paying homage to those that have come before. Yep. But before we get into No Way Home and kind of talk more about Mephisto and how he's probably definitely probably definitely most certainly playing a key role in this uh, plot of the movie, um, let's get into our thoughts on Tom Holland as Spider-Man. You know, Tom Holland is, he's like Gillette, right? He is the best a fan can get. Gillette? Mm, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd go with Chick Hydro. <laughs> like the men's double eraser. I don't know if you've ever used that, but that's, that's a smooth, yeah, but the, it's a slogan, Ivan. Sure. I guess, I, I, yeah, I'll give you that. Sure. <laughs> Are you even a Dr. Disrespect guy? <laughs> Thought I knew you. Tom Holland, though. His introduction, not uh, in his own movie. No. Introduced in Captain America Civil War. What was uh what was your reaction when you went to see that? I screamed. Um did we know he was gonna be in there? We did, yeah. Um it was he was included in the maybe the last trailer for uh Captain America oh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the internet blowing up yeah. when that happened. Um and we got our first look at what was essentially a fully CGI Spider-Man suit um, in that shot. And that's the shot where uh, he takes uh, Steve's uh, shield away from him and then just poses with it. Love that one. That was such a great shot to use, too. And such a little, like, head nod kind of tease for the people who read, you know, the Civil War comic books. Spider-Man was such an integral part of that series. Uh, So to see him kind of recreate one of those uh, scenes from the comic, which is him snatching the shield away from Captain America. Uh, That was really cool. And also a really interesting way to introduce a character, because as you as you mentioned, no solo film for him, you know, and and this is a titular character. We're talking about like an A-lister here. Um, So to, to bring him on as not even a secondary character, but kind of like a, you know, C or D kind of uh, storyline character in Civil War uh, was definitely an interesting way to bring about the character, but I thought it was really cool and really imaginative, right? Like we we skipped the whole intro for him. We just kind of you know said, you know what, he this guy exists in this universe. Let's just go with it. Yeah, we we started off with a legend bringing him onto screen, right? Iron Man, RDJ goes to his house and basically interviews him for the position. And 
they they have the best chemistry and you don't even need any like background story of how he became the spider like they breeze through that and it's more about like just him being why he's doing what he's doing and that was such a good introduction and then yeah the whole fight sequence in berlin was like perfect he was like the the strong spider-man that you want but then he's also like making jokes like with falcon during the fights like it was so good it also demonstrated his his um capabilities you know like here's all these avengers that we've gotten used to um over the course of several years you know building them up in these movies and then now here comes this um you know scrappy new superhero like i said an a-lister but like easily took down a couple of the avengers on his own (laughs) um (laughs) So kind of highlighting you know the, the potential that he has, uh, which was I thought it was pretty neat. And like you said, we we didn't get an origin story, we kind of breezed past it, but we got enough to kind of you know set the ground up for him. Uh, we didn't get an Uncle Ben reference, but he he does allude to the fact that you know it does seem like something has happened recently with him. The way he protects Aunt May, yeah, 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 especially um, that the hints of the dynamic there, um, and then also the. I think he mentions he's only had his powers for about six months or so, if memory serves right. Yeah, that he, conversation. He, he describes it as when what happens, when what happened happened. Like he just breezes by. He doesn't need to explain it at all. Like that's exactly what you're doing. Like need to do in a movie where you have, in Civil War, you have two what teams of six against each other, twelve main characters. You can't spend too much time. And this is a this is a guy that everyone knows his origin story. You can build that up later on, but uh, which I guess they haven't really done. They're about to with that um, animated Spider-Man show that they announced for Disney Plus, the All Spider-Man right, freshman on. year okay. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's an it's an interesting way to introduce him, though, um, and I thought it worked really well. It kind of shows, you know, part of the, uh, I guess, genius of Kevin Feige there in terms of being able to recognize that we don't need to see that origin story. Just give us enough of it and we'll go along with it. Yeah. Now, suit wise, where did that stack up for you? His original, Ooh. like not the sweatsuit, because that was kind of the same as Toby's, but uh, the one that Stark builds for him. Um, I liked it. I honestly... Yeah, and I think I might have um, I might have told you this when we went to see Far From Home a couple years ago, but one of our six viewings. One of our six viewings. Um, I I'm more partial to the red and blue suit than I am to like the black and red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, Spider-Man's always red and blue. You know, that's his iconic colors. So it worked really well. And I'm not gonna lie, what what really, really, really got to me, <laughs> like really. Um, left an impression on me, like left me with, with a bit of a, I guess, a smile on my face is the fact that they went through the trouble of making his eyes move. Mm, yeah. You know, like expanding and then shrinking. And like, I feel like that was, that's such a comic book thing. Right. And it's so cool to kind of see it portrayed in live action that way. Yeah. For me, it's definitely along those lines. It's the tech aspect of it. Like if your mentor is going to be Tony Stark, I don't know if this is exactly how it is in the comics, but the way that they built it in the MCU is that Tony is his mentor. I love that. Like these suits can do so much more, but he has to like earn it. He has to learn about it. Um, like the little spider icon on his chest actually is like a drone. Like, I love those little things that, uh, 
were included in the other guys uh, in in Garfield or, or Toby's trilogies. I mean, those scenes of them like designing their own suit and going through that whole process, I I, I really enjoyed those as well. But there's there's something different and something special about what uh, what the MCU did. Yeah, and I think it makes sense for the world, right? Because he, he gets introduced through by way of Tony Stark. It makes sense to to give him a tricked out suit. Um, I've seen a lot of like criticisms of the character in the MCU because of that. Like he's largely dependent on Stark tech, but I don't really see it that way. I see it like, you know, here's somebody that Tony kind of saw as his apprentice per se. Right. And so he rewards him with this tech. But I feel like it's not so much the tech that defines uh, Peter. And we get to the, we get to see that in Homecoming. Right. Yeah. Like, he gets to grow into the the whole like be the man, not the suit concept that tony learned back in iron man 3 uh to me it works because that's the dynamic of the of the world right uh but in in comic books is very different he's like very much like make his own suit kind of guy <laughs> not very big fancy th- the, the the fanciest tech he's got is the uh the web shooters which right. um eventually he gets other tech when he gets older but that's not until like his post-college days yeah and i think the mcu was designed around iron man being kind of the co-leader of the avengers so why not spoil the team with tech like they all ended up getting something from stark right so why would spider-man be any different yeah the iron man was very much the batman of this universe you know in the sense that batman Mm -hmm. always funds the justice league's tech yeah, um, they really, really made Iron Man that in the MCU, which I thought was really cool because they they brought him to the forefront of things. Whereas in the comics, he's always been like a B-list character. Uh, so, yeah, th- definitely. Um, one real quick thing while we're talking about, you know, like our impressions and, and, and Civil War in particular. Did you at all um, think that at any moment that we were meant to kind of get more from Spider-Man in Civil War or like we were supposed to see more of him because according to like the behind the scenes stuff, he's, uh, I, I think he was close to not actually showing up. Mm. Wait, are you asking if there is more or less of him? No, I guess uh, what I'm asking is, do you explain think, yourself? Do you, do you think that the story feels like he probably would have fit somewhere earlier in the story or does it flow well enough the way that it is uh i don't know where it would have fit in i thought it was cut well yeah because supposedly what what was supposed to happen is they had two very different scripts one was with spider-man being a key character throughout the entire movie and another one where he's not and they ended up going with the one where he's not uh, only because negotiations between Sony and, and Marvel literally took place up to a week before they had Tom Holland out to shoot his his um, his scenes for this movie. I wonder how you would fit him in earlier, because I mean, if you're going to keep his person like Peter Parker um, secret, how do you invite Spider-Man into like the capturing of uh, yeah named Winter Soldier? It wouldn't really make much sense. So that's what I think. Like, I don't know how. I guess it would have had to been a whole different storyline. Yeah, I would think so. But yeah, apparently that was the case still. Like, up until the very last minute, they were negotiating uh, whether or not they're going to bring him in. And they were actually still looking to cast uh, the role up until a week before shooting. 
And honestly, that's been the most annoying thing. And I know we've talked about it before, but it's so frustrating that like we have to go through it every couple of years where it's like, is he done in the MCU? Like, can we just admit that it's working and everybody gets their money, like their share of money? Like it's going to sell. Just allow the rights. Yeah, I I think that's like where greed comes into play, right? Because I feel like Sony definitely wants the big bucks. But they would ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so, too. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, f- for me, what doesn't make sense for me is that these uh, these contract negotiations are literally left to the last minute sometimes. <laughs> it's like government spending. <laughs> for real? <laughs> It, but yeah, like what was it the last time that they they had this whole thing of like, oh, will he, won't he return to the MCU? Uh, and I think it went so far as to like getting even Bob Iger, uh, CEO of Disney, involved in terms of getting the negotiations to come back into the into the table, right? Because Sony walked away. Um, yeah, but you're right; it's been a tug of war for for a while. But it sounds like, at least from the more recent interviews we've had with like Amy Pascal and all that, the the head producer over at Sony for these movies, it sounds like we're past that point and that both companies understand that there's money to be made with this deal. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be so bold enough to say, yeah, we're definitely working on more MCU movies. Like, I, I don't think that's part of a public conversation unless they were really, really sure of it. I just want it to be over, man. Let me get in the room. Let me let me work out these details. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll negotiate for the fans. Listen, Sony, by the just, fans for the fans. Just give it to Marvel. Leave it there. It's working. You'll get your money's worth. You, <laughs> you can sell the lunch boxes. For real? Well, they, I don't think they get any of the merch dollars. Sony I'll only give it to them. The... I'm giving it to them. Ooh, that's a lot of power, man. I know. Well, it happens. I'm I'm pretty sure Spider-Man <laughs> to get a good is... movie. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Well, well, maybe they get a, a cut of it because I feel like the merchandising rights are far more valuable than the movie rights for them. All right, George Lucas. But you could argue, though, that without the movies, the merchandising is kind of, you know, probably like a quarter of what it actually is currently valued at. I don't know. I'm just saying. chicken or the egg. Yeah. What came first, the movie action figure or the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but didn't for King Kong, didn't the action figures come out and spoil the movie? Listen, it's not perfect, okay? but merchandise <laughs> is merchandise. It needs to merchandising. Merchandise, uh, merchandise. <laughs> I the more merchandise you sell, the more tickets are. You know, I'm not. You know what? Never mind. That, that yeah. Now sense. that we've offended enough groups, let's move on from Civil War introduction into our takes on the series, because then he is he, he does get his solo movie. Uh, a couple of those at that. But uh, do you want to share your thoughts on on his independence? Yeah. Spider-Man's home. <laughs> Keep him there. <laughs> no, I honestly, I think um, it was something of a special moment to see him in Civil War and then to see him kind of grow right through. And really, when we count, let's see, between Civil War, the two Avengers movies, and then his two solo movies, we have five movies with this version of Spider-Man. So great far. count. Great job. I know. I, I, I use my hands too. I'm like, <laughs> well, you only need one hand, so one hands plural movie. doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, I, you know, we've had him for, for five movies. This is the most anybody's played um, Spider-Man in live action. 
except for Japanese Spider-Man. He's played it in far <laughs> more episodes. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just putting that out there, you know. Um, no, but the, he it just felt so right. You know, like we, we had this moment where we built up the MCU, we introduced the big heavy hitters, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. And I think the question was always going to be sticking there. Like, where's Spider-Man? Like, where's the X-Men? Maybe even more so than where are the X-Men? Like, where's Spider-Man? Um, so for me, the series has felt really well. I think, you know, Tom Holland himself kind of exemplifies what it, what makes Spider-Man so iconic. You know, he, he's not just like the nerdy, shy teen type. He's also, you know, the guy that seems to shed some insecurity while he's wearing the suit, uh, regardless of what the suit is. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is the most balanced portrayal of the character that we've ever seen in live action. Um, and to be honest, like I, I'm glad that it's uh, it, the the movies have played out that the way that the way that they've done. Uh, I feel like it's it's it is an oversaturated market now, right? The superhero genre. But at the same time, these movies have felt so fresh that I've, I, like, you know, we've we've said this a couple of times, but like these are my favorite movies. <laughs> from the mcu and they're not even technically you know marvels they're sony marvel collaboration this is top one far from home is number one for me and then homecomings in the top 10 like the it's it's pretty rare to only hit home runs uh and that's what they've done so far with his appearances and his solos uh and you're absolutely right like we've talked about it in the other episodes of the series that tom just kind of brought together both the awkwardness of Peter and the like the the faux confidence of uh Spider-Man and like him actually doing all these like flips and stunts and all that stuff like that just he is Peter Parker when he like when he walks around right like you just get that that feeling off of him um and I like that when he fights these villains it's it's so much more than just like good guy versus bad guy um it, it it's just like him really grappling with can I save this villain? Like, do they have to go all the way bad? They've brought back a lot of that consciousness of Spider-Man that I feel like um, is kind of needed in in the MCU, right? Because you have heroes like Iron Man, like Captain America, Thor, who you don't really question. Like these guys go out and they they'll kill the enemies. <laughs> you know, they're they're not really shy about it. But then you have a character like Spider-Man, who can go toe-to-toe with them, arguably maybe more powerful than some of them, minus Thor. And he shows so much restraint that it's almost kind of like, here's this guy that has these, like, you know, big, big um, upgrades in terms of superpowers, and yet he's the one kind of pulling his punches back and being like, hey, maybe I shouldn't kill my enemy. Because <laughs> out yeah. of everybody, right? Like, his, his villains are the most iconic, but also he might be, like, the most compassionate out of the Avengers bunch that we've had so far. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at the main guys, Cap, Iron Man, Thor, like, their villains have always been, I have to crush you to defeat you to prove my point. Like, it, it's never been any sort of compassion. And it kind of felt like we, we, we make this comparison all the time, like, with Mandalorian and whatnot. But, like, it's almost like their independent movies were, like, solo side quests in video games. And then they're really just being groomed for these Avenger movies. Whereas Peter comes from an Avenger movie, Civil War, and is kind of like 
that's like that's just his introduction and then we get to explore him and really build him out through his independent movies can i just also say how refreshing it is to get um visually age appropriate actors <laughs> no that's the, that's a major selling point of this is mm-hmm. that that's why he looks like peter parker because he looks like a little you know high school or teenage kid he can pull it off for sure and like especially you know we talked i talked about this in the in the toby movie uh episode but uh i was recently watching spider-man one uh from toby mcguire one do it to yourself (laughs) everybody on that school bus in the opening scene (laughs) is definitely hitting their 30s like (laughs) they're definitely not high schoolers well Um, here's a great point on that if i may yeah one character that's been constantly done wrong i would say and maybe maybe vindicated in this is flash what are your thoughts like like the original posed him as a jock right and he was pretty old the uh the garfield ones kind of just did a copy paste on that but then this series you know brings in tony what's his name revelory as a nerdy flash who's more just like this like modern day bully of just using words and like cyber bullying and whatnot. Like, are you into that? Is that anywhere near comic relevance or should they have stuck with the bull, like the jock super um, strong guy? I don't really have a opinion against or for it. I, I feel like one of the main criticisms was that they changed him and you know he's no longer a jock and he's, he's a nerd and all that but here's here's something and you know i want to get your thoughts on this too because you know we're we're obviously of the same kind of generation slash age right but and i'm the only person here to talk to yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> thank you for pointing it out um, <laughs> no the the um one of the big criticisms that I've seen where people are because people like to criticize anything that's popular and i feel like right now like you know they're they're highlighting they're like oh people are so hyped for no way home that uh, you know they call him like iron man jr and a whole bunch of other things right like any person who has like a negative um view on on the character or this portrayal of the character they they point at flash and they're like that doesn't make any sense the he should be a bully he should be a jock i don't know about you but growing up i don't i i always thought that those um cliches of movies were like there's a lot of like clicks and stuff in in, in high school and in middle school where the jocks are the bullies like i never experienced that myself i i always actually saw some of the nerdier people as kind of like the cool people um and by cool people i mean the popular people not not the you know what they say if you can't find the bully you were it (laughs) (laughs) is that what you were bullying the nerds all right now we know (laughs) no we're gonna we're gonna cancel you no <laughs> no i that, agree i life was not a saved by the bell sitcom no. like there were no you know the jacks and the preps and the geeks and the freak like it was everybody kind of melded together yeah i i never experienced like bullying from an athletic jock like yeah they kind of you know they tend to become friends with each other and they'll like crack jokes on one another and all that but i never outwardly saw somebody be overtly mean to somebody else like that and anybody who was smart was actually not a loser in school they were actually kind of some of the more popular kids um and i don't mean popular like they're flaunting their popularity kind of thing but more so like everybody kind of knows you 
So it was refreshing to me to see the dynamic between Peter and his friends in the high school because it reflected very much, it held true to what a high school in New York kind of looks like um, nowadays. I mean, like the melting pot and all that. Like, I feel like uh, Flash is kind of a reflection of that too. Like it's a good modern upgrade to a character that's kind of been set in the past a bit. Yeah, I I think they did achieve uh, modernization with these characters a bit. Uh, I totally agree with you there. I mean, they, sometimes they did try and steer him more into the bully uh, archetype, but uh, which kind of felt forced because it was like, who's buying into this, you know, name calling at the parties? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember anyone else chanting that in with him. But then why would Flash remain like be the DJ of the party? That's probably nitpicky. But. I do like that they kind of evolve the role of it to be like, you know what? It can be a nerdy, like a guy at a scholastic school who's just trying to fit in and has his own insecurities. Like they give you these little nuggets of his parents don't pay attention to him. Like that, like these little like, oh, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, they like give him a backstory, whereas he's just like generic bully number one. But under five minutes worth. Like that's amazing that they can achieve that so quickly and you're and it's satisfying yeah and there's a lot of story to be told with flash if they want to do they go that route um in the future um i know at at some point in the comics he becomes a war veteran you know he loses his legs uh gains access to the venom symbiote there's so many avenues they can go with that character if they want to do something with him in the future but i think to modernize him a bit the way that they did in in this series it doesn't hurt the chances of those stories still being told. You can still tell those stories. It's just an alternate take on the character that's kind of like a, a tired trope at this point. So who else character-wise stood out to you in this series? Um, I think the villains have to be a major one, right? Um, yes, the villains. I, I think they were the most... Uh, well, I can't really say them. I feel like every Spider-Man villain in the franchises have has been pretty much true to form from their like um from their origins and also pretty well developed too like yeah you kind of see goblin go through the whole thing you see lizard go through it you see doc ock um i just don't know if outside of um why am i blanking on his name outside of goblin willem defoe outside of willem defoe you don't get that many notable like a-list actors and michael keaton fits the bill yeah true well here's the thing we, we we've talked about several times how the mcu has a problem with their villains you know like we don't get villains that are really fleshed out or they're just kind of like generic bad guy you know like they don't really have motivations that you can sympathize with with the spider-man movies you get the complete opposite like you actually do get villains that sometimes you kind of endear yourself to um and even in the mcu i feel like spider-man's villains are the most compelling ones out of the bunch um you know you take somebody like vulture for example in homecoming he's a guy that kind of you know got the short end of the stick uh by the corporate folks like tony stark uh who basically took his contract away uh by by buying it up and you know being the um the cleanup crew after that battle of New York. So that opening sequence in homecoming, it kind of like, it, it gave you like a working class villain who's just trying to, you know, initially 
did it to just kind of look after himself and you know make a good living for his family uh obviously it turns into a very dark turn there but he's not a bad (laughs) bad guy you know like in the beginning he's not a pure evil generic villain he has his motivations for it yeah i i what you said earlier uh at the beginning of that um kind of made me think about something where it's true a lot of the villains in these other movies are one-offs but they're kind of these like again not being the comic guy i would call them d-listers like i've never heard of a lot of these villains that they're willing to just be like all right this is that warm-up round the tune-up round that's like the side quest for these heroes like iron man uh, outside of like red skull for captain america i feel like none of them really fought anybody that big and they all kind of just served as like like iron man really his trilogy was just to build up the 10 rings which didn't go anywhere and like I don't know that none of these like other trilogy heroes really built up towards fighting anyone of like substance really. But Spider-Man has so many villains that are recognizable that it's like, yeah, we can go through one like key villain per movie and still go on forever like this. Yeah, there's still a laundry list of characters to get to. Yeah, and like it's not just like a a list of characters because I'm sure they all have their own list of characters, but it's it's characters that everybody knows. Well, everybody knows because they're they have, they leave an impact on you, you know, culturally, uh, pop culturally. <laughs> um, you're right though. Like outside of Red Skull, for example, can you name another Captain America villain? Can like your average moviegoer name another Captain America villain? Probably not. No, like. Uh, Outside of Hitler, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and that was all done in one movie. But like with Thor, like you don't know the Dark Elves. With Iron Man, you don't know. I probably should know Whiplash, but like, there's not that many guys out there that they're fighting that were like, give us your best and brightest. And yeah, because MC, they're all like, one-off villains, right? And it was just yeah. all tune-up fights to get ready for like, this is just to evolve Tony into having a different suit that he can use in the Avengers movies. This yeah. is just to get Thor, you know, trusting in his powers for Infinity War. They they were all just, you know, designed for that purpose. And again, it's that flip side of Tom coming in on an Avengers movie and then getting his own stuff. And you think about it, um, all these villains that you do see from Captain America, from Thor, from Iron Man, like, they're all characters that, you know, are very much not like you don't really you can't really relate to them like the the most personable villain you had from iron man was um obadiah stane uh which you know you only had him for that first movie yeah um the rest of them you're right they just served to kind of butter up the hero and they're all permanently gone that was the other thing too is like they killed each one of these villains whereas um, uh, again red skull being the exception who they manifested back for endgame but, like, if you look at Tom's, you can have Michael Keaton lose, but still be in, appearing in these, like, post credit scenes for the next three movies. Right, because he didn't kill him. <laughs> right. Like, you can still have us go yeah. up against your best uh, villains that you can offer, but you don't have to make it finite. You can save it up for later. Right. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they do it so well with, with his rogues gallery. Um, and I feel like all of them 
the, the thing is too like in, in the comic books they set these villains up so well that all they had to do is just kind of follow that br- blueprint in any uh, interpretation but then you don't get the same from iron man or captain america or even thor because that's why most of the times when you see these characters interpreted into the movies they're a little different from what their comic book counterparts are and that's because the source material didn't really flesh them out all that much um, to begin with uh spider-man's the opposite i feel like you've had so many years of content that they actually did do some really cool storylines with it um but yeah like there's a lot to kind of go through with with the villains um one one other character though to kind of go through because i feel like we've talked about change and all that and and this is a zendaya's character mj yeah um so definitely not mary jane because i think what was it michelle jones i think is her name um in the movies i I think it is i might be i might get a research guy on that i know i I, you know we we had our intern he just we just let him go last week so wasn't footing the bill no no definitely wasn't get him out yeah you know, for for the dollar we were paying him, you know, he, he should have done some extra work for us, but he didn't. So if you're looking for a job <laughs> and you're listening, you know, reach out. Yeah, send us your resume. <laughs> um, but no, but Zendaya's character, um, it seems like a my my one gripe on it, if they want to make her the MJ, the actual Mary Jane of this uh trilogy, just 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 call her Mary Jane. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't go through with that because Michelle Jones is a whole other character from the comics. Uh, but to give her the Wait, there's the title another MJ. MJ the there comic. is another MJ. Yeah, that's too confusing. Well, she doesn't refer to herself as MJ in the comics. Uh, well, so... I just did. Yeah, they they <laughs> kind of broke that here. So <laughs> I loved her in this. I thought she's like just as equally awkward, but it's that faux confidence that Peter has when he's Spider Man, right? Like she walks around like she knows what she's talking about. That she's, uh, you know, that rebel. But then. Her, uh, I'll skip ahead to the uh, to Far From Home, and she when she exposes herself for following Peter and liking him, like she becomes that awkward, you know, kid in love, and it it's they're really good at acting there. It, it's so good. Yeah, it's a very different dynamic from the Mary Jane character that we normally see. Uh, so it, this definitely is by no means Mary Jane from the comics. They haven't bothered to really keep a lot of the elements of her here. Um, other than the the overconfidence that she has and that um, you know that kind of demeanor, but and she's all yeah. So she's also this flip side to what we have seen, right? She's not um, like Kirsten Dunst. Like she's not this like grown up MJ. She's this you know awkward teenager who has this faux confidence that you you can see like the armor kind of like break away in Far From Home when she is exposed for following Peter or liking Peter. Um, and I I like that change of a character. Yeah, she's very different from the traditional Mary Jane, I guess, archetype that we've seen from other uh, other movies and even other content. So I I do like what they're doing with her. I hope they go with her the extra mile though and just kind of keep her up as the love interest. I kind of don't want to see them regress to Mary Jane or introducing someone like Gwen Stacy in this role. Like I I do hope that they keep her on for for the future. Yeah, and the and like the other cool thing too with her is that like um like Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone were very much maybe I need to rewatch it, maybe I'm talking wrong here, but weren't they like very worried about Peter being Spider Man in return? Like 
like he was worried about it. Like, am I going to bring danger to them? But they were also like worried, like be safe out there type of thing. We never really get that from her, from Zendaya, because she doesn't find out until the end of the second movie. So they haven't had to decide how they want to treat her like that. But it, it is another like main difference there. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting note to point out because I, I do feel like um, we got it more so from Kirsten Dunst, like the more like, hey, be careful kind of thing. Um, I think uh, Gwen in Amazing Spider-Man took more of a proactive role to that. Um, right. She's, there's still elements of it, but yeah, you're right. There, you know, there's far less of that with the MJ in this universe. And, and again, like what we were talking about with Tom being the combination of the best of Garfield and Toby. I would say Zendaya is the kind of the, the combination of the best of those two as well, because uh, those two being uh, Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst being like the love interest who is like aspiring to being greater herself, but then being, you know, kind of like Gwen of the like, I, I can keep up with you intellectually. Like, I like that this, you know, soon to be trilogy has really taken taken note of the what's come before them and 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 uses what works yeah they've blended the two personalities together for sure um but we, we talked about uh you know adrian tombs or um you know the vulture from this uh from this series we had a couple of little like cameo appearances in homecoming from uh the prowler uh played by donald glover that's the aaron davis character the shocker the and shocker. shocker too yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe they included both shockers in one movie <laughs> Uh, you got to run through them sometimes, you know. I know the Tinkerer was also in this film. He was the guy building the gadgets for. Uh, oh, the he Vulture. had a name. Yeah, I forgot his. I forgot his actual like. Uh, it's not name. important. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also had uh, Scorpion make a cameo appearance at the end of the. Actually, he appeared on the boat too, but he he, he was the end right. credit scene. Uh, that we still need to get a delivery on Marvel. Like, come on. <laughs> I know they were building the Sinister Six. It looked like. I still think they are. You know, we'll but see. like, it's not going to be where you bring in Goblin and Doc. Like, it's not going to be what we're going to get in No Way Home. Like, if they're going to build the Sinister Six, they're doing it in house in their own universe. Yeah, I think it'll be like strictly villains introduced in the MCU. So I don't think you know. No, we can get into it later. But like, I don't think No Way Home is going to do the Sinister Six storyline the way that we maybe thought initially um, yeah but let's finish up villains that we have seen who was the best one? <laughs> oh, the guy who made it number one and who was also taylor swift's number last <laughs> jake gyllenhaal <laughs> we got a taylor swift reference on this pod i love it. i would work it in there eventually i always told you and we're both wearing <laughs> red scarves <laughs> no jake brought it on this man when he played quentin beck mysterio honestly this is my favorite villain that we've seen it was a very appropriate villain for the times too like we're, we're getting the fake news villain <laughs> yeah but it was also just like i've never seen any marvel movie outside of maybe loki which came after obviously where i thought the bad guy's gonna win where i thought the good guy like Maybe he doesn't stand a chance. Like, this is like some overpowering stuff. Like, all these uh, illusion things, and Peter keeps falling for it. Like, when he got hit by the train, like I was like, okay, Mysterio wins. He's he's better. He I don't know how we're gonna beat him. 
yeah, he was definitely quite a bit of a force to be reckoned with. And I, and I do think that I never thought we'd see an, a like great portrayal of Mysterio. I never even considered Mysterio to be, <laughs> you know, A-list in terms of, uh, you know, Spider-Man's foes. I always thought he was kind of a, more of a B-lister. <laughs> um from from the other content that we've seen, but I feel like they pulled it off really well here. I love the use of Stark Tech. I know people don't like that dependency, but like it's the world that you established, you know. Like exactly, why yeah. not use it? Like it makes logical sense for you to to do that. And somebody like Tony, a hundred percent, would make a whole bunch of enemies that now other people have to kind of clean up, um, you know, because he's not around anymore. But like that that is a hundred percent. I buy that. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, this is like what we were talking about uh, on another episode where it wasn't written in like Breaking Bad style where like they had little Easter eggs and like, oh, you should have seen this type of things. But they kind of like rewrite history with like all the people that Tony has wronged in his life and now Peter has to pay for those sins. Like I, I enjoyed that storyline. Yeah, I, I love it too. I, I I like the fact that they keep coming back and referencing their own stuff, you know, months down the line. You know, while while we're on that subject too, that little kid, um, the little boy in the Iron Man two with the Iron Man helmet has been retconned to be Peter Parker. But like, who said yes? Because we don't. I I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I think it works well enough. You know, I don't really. You know, I don't really have much opinion on it. It is pointless, but I, I do feel like if, they, if they're going to do it, that's fine, like whatever. But my my point in bringing that up is you get that kind of reference, but then you get the better the, the better built one with, uh, you know, the guy that Obadiah Stane was yelling at, which, uh, uh, you know, is the main character also from A Christmas Story. <laughs> um, it, it ends up being part of Mysterio's crew. Like that was such a deep cut to me when, when uh, they highlighted each of those characters that Tony wronged in the bar. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, that's that done right. Um, it's not a retcon. It's literally just like building your world into into itself um, and making those call outs versus the retcon of turning that little kid into Peter Parker. Yeah, the Iron Man 2 thing is like, oh, would that make you feel good? Sure. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's lame. But bring back the actor that Obadiah Stane yelled at. That's cool. I'm, gl- I'm just glad he's getting work after Christmas Story. I hated Christmas Story. <gasps> no way. Home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I think uh, Mysterio was played really well, though, in, in this um, in, in this franchise. And, and the thing, the goosebumps moment for me came after the big reveal where you find out, you know, he's the bad guy 100 oh. percent. When he morphs into his suit into in, in that illusion bit. And his voice changes, like it modulates to that that classic Mysterio uh, voice, like that solidified um, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio for me. Yeah, it was so well done. Like it, I, 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 we all knew he was the bad guy going into it, but when they start portraying him as the good guy, I'm like, maybe the trailer was like a red herring, and this is like, he's actually the good guy, and we're gonna see a different villain. Like they had me going the whole time. They did, and I'm kind of bummed that we're, uh, you know, Mysterio ended up being the one villain to get off <laughs> in these movies. Yeah, or did he? Yeah, there's the big mystery. Um, I don't. I'm I'm still convinced he's out there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's so tough to like definitively say like he's dead, but his plan lives on. Like 
No, I want him. I want him there. He better come back. I feel like he he's like a key component if you're gonna build a Sinister Six. What story. if he is like in this? Maybe movie? maybe he's the sixth member of No Way Home's uh, Sinister Six. He's the one who brings it all together. It could be. Honestly, we'll the the events of him giving away Peter's identity is what creates this. Yeah. Well, also, if you undo this, if you do the spell right and you undo everybody knowing, don't you inadvertently also cause a ripple into the cause of that um, reveal of information? So, like, could it be that maybe the spell brings him back to life also? Well, I love where we're going right now. I know. We're getting into, like, speculation territory. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Unless there's any other characters you want to talk about, but I'm ready to go into expectations and predictions. Just one thing. I guess we... we, Aaron Davis is, of course, the the uncle to Miles Morales. So, clearly, that character is is somewhere out there in the the universe. Um, And I don't know if you saw the article, but, like, uh, apparently part of Tom Holland's push for this new trilogy after no way home is he's like really anxious to introduce miles morales into the mcu so anxious nervous i don't know <laughs> he's ex- he's excited for the opportunity oh. to bring miles morales into the mcu and I- i'm excited to see what they could do with the character too especially when you have somebody as high profile as donald glover portraying a character that does uh you know we've seen into the spider-verse like he, he plays a pivotal role um, and that and that um, character's arc, but yeah, I loved that movie. Yeah, just ju- just another thing that Marvel can unravel a little bit more in the future. Like you already planted the seed, you can kind of grow, you know, a whole story arc just from having that character there. It's a whole web of topics there. It is. <laughs> see what I did there? I see. I see you. <laughs> All right, let's get into No Way Home discussions. Yes. Let's talk trailers, man, and all the mistakes they've been making. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about, you know, delaying releasing it. I'm talking about accidental editing mistakes. And the the leaks of images before <laughs> any of this stuff comes out. Yeah, but more so just like the lizard getting punched, but in Brazil's trailer only. And then you pointed out one to me today. Oh yeah, the floating, the floating hand. There's a there's a Spider-Man hand in a there's, freeze frame. There's a whole arm <laughs> of oh, Spider-Man yeah. there. <laughs> um, one thing on the lizard note though, uh, if you go to the YouTube page for uh, Brazil's uh, Sony account, they've redone the trailer so that they cut right at the point where <laughs> that. You know, it's almost like, oh, you didn't see anything. It wasn't there. That's like trying to delete your tweet after it's gone viral. I know. Like, when will they learn? It, it, Somebody screenshotted already. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's been several gifs on it and all that. And, like, people were pointing it out. And I was like, when I first saw that, I was like, I don't remember watching that in a trailer. And then someone had to point it out that that's the Brazilian, uh, the Brazil trailer. Uh, which, again, Sony, what the heck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. They had a couple of other um, mistakes as well. Uh, I feel like uh, the biggest one, the one that I pointed out to you today, was the the floating arm. It I don't know which Spider-Man that was. People are saying that's Andrew Garfield's suit. I don't know. You, I feel like it's too. It's not enough to tell. Yeah. 
but clearly somebody doesn't know how to do their job <laughs> over there in the post department. So, and that's on the Sony Pictures trailer uh, YouTube account at 2:28. You're gonna have to be quick to get it because it goes by in a snap. Yeah, play Thanos it at a style. quarter speed and start from 2:26 to 2:28, and you'll 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 see it. It's hard yeah. to miss. It's it's crazy. But I mean, this is not the surprise. Like them being in it is not the surprise. What really is the conversation is what is their use going to be? Is it going to be, you know, are they good? Are they going to be like a mentor to Tony or uh, um, to Tom? Or are they going to be like in it for a scene as like a fanfare type thing? Do you want my speculation on it? <laughs> well, you always have like insider info. And I don't know if I want that. Yeah, no, you don't want my speculation. <laughs> <laughs> I will like well, tell me what you want then. Don't tell me what you know. Sure, I'll tell you what I want. What you really, really want. What I really, really want. Uh, <laughs> I I do want these characters to play a significant role, but I don't want them to play like I don't want them to overshadow Tom Spider Man. I still want this to be Tom's movie, you know, like Yeah. I want it to be focused on his character. I want it to be, you know, focused on him solely. Um I do want them to use those two characters as more of a mentor kind of role to him, uh, which is a little tough, too, because I feel like, you know, with Toby, I, I feel like that mentorship dynamic can probably be played up really well. Uh, but with Andrew, I feel like we were just getting started with him and then they kind of took it away, you know, so it's hard to kind of see him in that mentor role, but I feel like both Spider-Mans have kind of played um, different uh, life experiences at this point to kind of at least offer some sort of assistance for him. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. what I want. You know, that's what I'm afraid of is like backsliding. You know, Tom, his character has gone from needing Iron Man as his mentor to at the end of Far From Home, he's starting to gain some self-confidence and that he doesn't need Tony to be around and to tell him how to do things like that's what Happy's character was for. It's like giving him that self confidence of you have the skills, you have knowledge, put it together, and like there's your confidence. Like I don't want it to backslide into I need another guy to tell me how to like what to do, like what to do and what's right. Like this isn't Spider Verse. Like Miles Morales was just getting his par- his powers in that movie, and he needed that then. I only want them to come in as like. Tom's so like overmatched, like outmatched in this fight, and then they just like sling in like over his shoulder, and they like say like this is our fight, like this is our problem. We'll take him back to our universe type thing. Like that's all I want. Well, you may just get that. <laughs> oh, don't do that to me, Ivan. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I feel like um, what I mean by mentorship type though, like I feel like these characters should be used to boost him up just a little bit like a happy role where it's like yeah you can do this you don't need us you don't need iron man you don't need anyone like you can be known as peter you can just you can get this done still like i want him to be in in such a tough spot that it takes these two spider-men to kind of give him a pep talk and be like hey pick yourself back up kind of thing you know like that's what i mean by like you know mentorship role like i i don't want them to be in the full movie on as like you know, sort of the way that they use Tony in, in Homecoming. Or like Jake Johnson's character in Spider-Verse, where he was like teaching him how to use his powers. Like, I don't I don't need that. I don't want that. Yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen with it. I think it's more so like 
I do think they're there to play a helping hand for him. Uh, you know, how much of that and how deep that, you know, how deep are they going to get into it? I, I'm not entirely sure, but. But just imagine how epic, like, the crowd will react if they, like, aren't introduced. But, like, Tom is, like, kind of like at the end of Toby's third movie where he's just so outmatched. And then, like, somebody just comes in and just like is here to save the day. Like, I kind of want that. I can see that. Kind I of want James Franco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's going to be tough given the allegations against him at the moment. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal has some stuff going on too. So. <laughs> yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal's got the Swifties on him, but <laughs> that's very different from the James Franco situation. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> all right, but then all right. So outside of the Tom and the Garfield Toby predictions. What are your thoughts on the movie? We finally got like a second trailer to it, um, which I guess is kind of old news by the time this is getting aired. Um, I'm excited to see all these characters come back. Uh, what I mean is the villains, because um, obviously, officially, we don't know if Toby you're a big Doc back. Ock guy. I love Doc Ock, man. <laughs> Alfred Molina played that character so well. He looks um, so CGI in this, though. I don't know if I'm going to like that. Well, you know. That's what you get when you try to age regress everybody. <laughs> um, I don't think it looks bad though. Like th- there's moments on the trailer when whenever he's on his close up, I don't think it, it looks that bad. I think when he's farther away and you get the full on CG Doc Ock, that's when it kind of looks too you know out there. But um, I'm, I'm excited to see Alfred Molina back. He's one of my favorite actors also. So um, I'm I'm glad he's back. Um, Willem Dafoe's Goblin. I I can't think of anybody else that could play the role of Norman uh, to that same degree. So I'm glad he's back. I can't. You know what? Like I can do without Lizard, Sandman, and Electro. <laughs> to be honest with you, but but I will say they redesigned Electro really well. They gave him a fresh cut. He's not thin. He doesn't have thinning hair anymore. And they gave him a pair of Tims. Like he's he's a true class New Yorker right there. Yeah, I mean I've seen close up shots too where. On his suit, it kind of looks like arc reactors. Like, does this have to be the electro we know? Um, I think it is the electro that we know. He's just augmented somehow, and you know, I I did see the arc reactor thing, which would make sense because I feel like even Doc Ock, I feel like in in some of the trailers, I see people speculating as to why his tentacles are turning red uh, as he's fighting like Spider Man in the Iron Suit. Yeah. I feel like he's probably snatching some of those nanites from the suit as he's beating him up. It's that, or honestly, this trailer kind of poises Tom to be like fighting the, a different type of fight than like heroes versus villains. It's more of like, can I save these guys? Like, Doctor Strange, you know, has a line in there that like all these people coming through are destined to lose in their universe. So, like, I'm sorry, but that's the way it has to be. And it, that line can only really be delivered if Tom's built up a connection with some of them. Yeah, I gotta think that either they try to manipulate him into letting him letting them stay or something. Cause I feel like, you know, he he is definitely all about saving people. I mean, for you know, he saved the vulture. And technically Mysterio's death is not on him. Like that was all Mysterio himself and his recklessness, right? But well also like all of these guys had their powers gained by accident, right? Like, none of them were intentional. Right. 
but I think out of all of them, I think Sandman and, and Doc Ock are the only ones that truly kind of didn't mean to. Electro? Become. Yeah, and Electro didn't mean to. Oh, yeah, him too. Uh, you know what? On second thought, Lizard too. And Lizard too, <laughs> yeah. And like Goblin didn't mean for those side effects. He just wanted to like, he knew he was getting fired and he wanted to prove that his work was valid. Like, that's the difference between these villains. Like, look at Vulture. Like, he intentionally would put on the wings and steal... Uh, Iron Man tech to sell it again. Like these are different villains with different motivations. Yeah, but Vulture needed to steal for his Etsy shop, of course. Like, <laughs> I mean, if Rhino Man comes through, then okay, we got an argument here. But like, <laughs> but like, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's very easy for what we were talking about before, where Tom or like Tom's version of Peter Parker is more conscious like he he sees the good in people and he wants to fight for that as opposed to fight against them right yeah he he sees them i guess as unintentional uh, unintentional victims also of of their c- circumstance yeah and if they if they play on that at all in this movie i think i'm going to be pretty happy with the result i mean i'm obviously going in with tampered expectations like i'm not going in there being like toby and garfield are in this for the whole thing like I'm I'm okay if they're not. I'll be happy if they're in there for a lot. You know, I, it's going to be hard to disappoint me with this one. I think. Yeah, I th- I'm I'm on the same boat. I, I feel like while I want to see Toby and Andrew back 100% sure, I definitely do want to see them. I'm also not of the opinion that I absolutely must see them for X amount of time. You know, if they pop up for five minutes, fantastic. Um, if they end up doing like an end credits thing, okay, cool. Maybe we could do something cool with them down the line, but. I mean, I that do. might be a little disappointing if it's just an end <laughs> credits. Uh, but I feel like the only thing that could ruin this would be like Suicide Squad type like CGI, you know, like and I don't see Marvel ever making a mistake like that. Mm, yeah. True. Right. Like that's like the only thing that can I mean. There can be like bad storylines, so I guess maybe I'm. Maybe I'm giving too much credit to MCU. <laughs> yeah, no, there. You know, I, I feel like the story doesn't seem. It, it seems hard to mess this up. Um, that being said, you know, my my expectations are. I just want this to be as good as Far From Home, and I think that that's kind of my baseline. Like, as well, long Far as Far From Home is, what your top three? It's in my top three. Yeah, it might be my yeah. it's it's between my top one, <laughs> between my first and, and my second pick. Yeah, it's my number one, like easily. And I don't know if it's going to live up to that. And that's probably fine. Like there has to be a best of a trilogy. And this doesn't have to dethrone what's come before it. Yeah, although I have a feeling it has a good chance of it. <laughs> um, we'll we'll see how we feel in a couple of weeks. But like but like look at like um, look at like Captain America. Number three was a mashup of everybody, right? Civil War. But it wasn't better than the second one, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, true. Winter Soldier so it, it's allowed one. to be, and it could still be a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to temper my expectations here. But also, like, I, I do feel like the MCU has kind of set the bar up where it needs to be. But it's hard for me to envision it not being as good as that, you know, at the very least. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see where things take us. Yeah, I mean, I, we're both very excited. Any last notes uh, before we uh, kick it off to going to see the movie? 
Um, no, I think the the only other thing is to maybe touch on the future a little bit because I feel like you know we've already gotten the announcement that there's probably going to be more movies down the road. I don't know how like solid those the plans of that next trilogy are. Um, it could just be a producer talking out of you know hype building. Yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like Tom has signed a new agreement, and it looks like he's going to remain in the MCU for the foreseeable future. I'm excited for that. Um, I want to just get your take real quick, because what I want to see from this next set of movies, because obviously this is going to tackle his college years, right? There's nowhere else to kind of build them up to. But I hope the scope of those Spider-Man stories become more personable. And less involved with the Avengers, you know, like I, I want to shift away from having like the MCU character of the of the month, you know, um, so like no more Doctor Strange appearances. Well, like I'd like for them to pop up. Sure. But like I it feels like and, and again, I haven't seen the way home, so there's no way for me to verify this. But um, at least with the last one, the last one that was Nick Fury, the one before that, it was Iron Man. They were in the movie throughout most of it, you know. Um, and I'd like, yeah, but to they kinda... weren't like show stealers. They were in there just to be like to help Tom's cause. It felt like true, but I just I just feel like I want to gradually separate this Spider-Man from having too much involvement in the MCU and just have him have some of these classic stories with himself. Um, or even like if you're going to bring in an MCU character, like have it something pulled from a classic story instead of kind of like the mashups that we've seen uh, over the last movies. I've enjoyed them. I'm not saying I haven't, but now that we are going to get a little bit more into the more mature years of Spider-Man, I do want to see those stories evolve into some of those classic stories that we've gotten from the comics. Like the Fantastic Four are coming. Like the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man oh, have God. always had this crossover. So This guy doesn't stop with it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me what. You, you bring a Fantastic Four somehow. They were supposed to come in like a Hulk movie, man. <laughs> the what? No. <laughs> I'll no. check the vo- I'll check the the vods on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. That that was Wolverine and Hulk. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't Fantastic Four. Um. All right, my take after you gave me your very long take. Uh, sure. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to see them be willing to like age Peter Parker. I don't want to see it like stick in the high school years. I'm okay with him going to college, but I, I would also enjoy seeing like one villain per movie type thing. I would love to see the Venom crossover. Um, I would love to see them actually, you know, get some dividends from some of those like previous investments of Vulture and Scorpion talking in jail. Like that's something that all the fans have paid attention to pretty closely. And we haven't gotten payoff on that. So like there's things that they've already set up. They don't they don't have to reinvent brand new stories or dig deep in comics. Like they already have some threads they can pull on, uh, which I would want to see. But again, you're you're right. It might just be like hype building by a director that oh yeah we got three more so come see this one because it's gonna lead into those. You know something you just brought up as you were um, ranting <laughs> as you were giving us your opinion. <laughs> Um, we do have Scorpion still to build off of, and we have Venom um, coming in some form. Uh, right. You don't have to reinvent everything. You can, you can, you have Aaron Davis, you have Venom, you have Scorpion, you had Vulture that you can bring back. Like you have these building blocks that you don't have to recreate or add in brand new things. 
Um, and I think it would actually be a, 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 a bad thing to kind of ignore the, the setup that you've had. True. And there's natural build because they're, you know, just take those couple characters and you already have a story from the comics that you can pull from. I knew um, that. Because Scorpion ends up in possession of the Venom suit at some point and he becomes this like. Does everybody have the Venom suit? Jeez. You said Flash had it. <laughs> yeah. No, every literally it goes from who had it. I guess Peter Parker had it first. Then it goes to Eddie. Then it goes to some mob boss dude. Then it goes to um, a Scorpion. And then it finally ends up with Eddie. Uh, no, not with Eddie. Um, with uh, Flash. Then it ends up back in Eddie's hands. Jeez, Venom gets around a lot. Yeah, you know, there's a certain word for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it would be, you know, I'll, I'll pitch this. Like, what if at the end of No Way Home, we're left with a Peter Parker in a really dark place? And now we have the Venom symbiote in the MCU. Mm. Perfect marriage there. You know, a perfect setup for a Venom versus Spider-Man movie. Um, Are you for... trying to kill Zendaya? No. <laughs> she, she does have Dune to go back to, so. There you go. She can take a break for the next movie. <laughs> Which is like, uh, Timothy Chalamet is like Tom Holland equivalent, right? Um, I guess, but like skinnier. <laughs> yeah. Even better. <laughs> I feel like Tom Holland is more bulked up than, than Timothy Chalamet. Well, now. Now that he's been doing steroids. <laughs> what? I didn't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but let's get out of here, man. I'm excited. Can't wait to see this movie. So I'm going to give you a number, and you're going to give me the over-under on how many times you're going to see it. Oh, my God. Okay. Seven and a half. Are you going over or under? probably over if I'm being honest. <laughs> I still have my AMC Stubbs membership. <laughs> uh it might be close to that. I think I'm gonna be under. I saw Far From Home like six times, I think. So I think this is probably gonna be like right around there. It I've, depends. I've I'm prepping man. I've got my booster shot appointment on Monday. <laughs> I'm like I'm not taking any I'm chances. Triple masking. I'm, yeah, I'm going all in. Heck yeah man. Like I'm I'm Maybe I'll take my Mando helmet and watch it with that just to be extra safe, you know? <laughs> that filters out toxins, right? Yeah, but not good content. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, well, let's get out of here. Uh, as always, if you think we missed something and you somehow stuck around for this whole episode, feel free to tweet at us angrily or happily at BT4thWall for being 4TH. Otherwise, thanks, thanks for listening. For listening.